Today, you are going to be hearing a sermon from one of our ministers here on staff. We hope this word blesses you, and remember that we love and appreciate your time here. Now, let's hear what the Lord has for you today. drift away from the Lord. Sometimes it's easy to just show up in church and have no prayer life. But when we first got saved, how many know we prayed for everything? I remember you got, you prayed for everything. When you got up, you started praying. I mean, when you walked out the door, you started praying. When you're driving, you started praying. But now that you come and and you've been seasoned, sometimes it's easy to drift away. And we're going to talk about that. I'm going to be reading out of 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5 through 14 out of the NLT. And then we're going to jump to 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1 through 4. And so 1 Kings 3, 5 through 14 reads like this. That night the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream and God said, what do you want? Ask and I will give it to you. Verse 6 says, Solomon replied, you showed great and faithful love to your servant, my father David, because he was honest and true and faithful to you, and you have continued to show this great and faithful love to him today by giving him a son to sit on his throne. And then verse 7 says, now, O Lord, my God, you have made me king instead of my father David, but I am like a little child who doesn't know his way around. And here I am in the midst of your own chosen people, a nation so great and numerous that they cannot be counted. And then verse 9 goes on and says, give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. It says, for who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? Verse 10, the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I will give you what you ask for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has had or ever will have. And I will also give you what you did not ask for, riches and fame. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life, verse 14. And if you follow me and obey my decrees and commands as your father David did, I will give you a long life. And then he goes on and, 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 and well, we'll go on. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we come before you right now, God. We thank you, God, for the opportunity to hear your word, the opportunity to come into church, God, with liberty, with freedom. Father, I thank you for the privilege of ministering your word this morning, God. I pray, God, I step aside and allow you to flow through me this morning, God, and use me, God, as a vessel, Father. God, I pray that we give liberty to your Holy Spirit, God, to do what he needs to do, not what we think he should do, not what we want him to do, but what he needs to be done in our lives. God, encourage God, correct God, uplift God, but let us not leave here the same. We ask this in your son's precious name, and everyone said amen and amen. So we're going to be looking at the life of Solomon, amen, and and we're going to get a good understanding on how he started, amen. And so here it talks about Solomon, the night the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream, amen. How many ever had a dream before? 
How many ever had a crazy dream, amen, because you ate too much food, amen? That's not what Solomon had. Solomon had a dream, amen, and God said, what do you want? If God were to ask us that, what would we answer him? If you were to ask your son, daughter, what would you want? Anything you want. And here it says Solomon asked for wisdom. Some of us, you got enemies and you'll be saying, God, take my enemies out. No, no, Solomon asked for wisdom. If God would ask you, amen, what would you say? Solomon replied, you showed great and faithful love to your servant, my father, David, because he was honest, amen. And so here Solomon's saying, I've succeeded my father in assuming the throne because David had too much blood in his hands, amen. He couldn't go there, so his son was there. And he was saying, man, this is a great nation. You put me here in charge of the people. And he says, but I feel like a little child. He was being honest. God, I'm in a position because I said yes, but I really don't know anything. I mean, no, that, that shows that when God moves us in ministry, we don't know it. I would like to say, oh, when I started volunteering in leadership, I knew it. No, I didn't. I didn't know anything. All I kept saying was yes. And because I kept saying yes, God, as we took steps, God began to uh, give me understanding. God began to give me wisdom. The same as you here, as you volunteer for ministry, amen, just say yes and see how God will give you the wisdom that you need to do what he called you to do. Because you will never grow in your faith until your assignment is bigger than you are. See, now some of you are like, wow, okay. That's why God's telling me I'm going to go preach in a foreign land. It's bigger than me, but I I don't want to do it. Unless you yield to what God's planned for your life, you're always going to be miserable. God will always lead us into opportunities that are greater than us because it will require us to use our faith. The Bible says without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. So what that is saying is that in the natural, we can't please God. It's in the supernatural because the supernatural requires faith. How many can say amen? In verse 9, he said, give me an understanding heart so I can govern. In other words, to direct your people. He says, well, and know the difference between right and wrong. For by himself, he is able to govern this great people of yours. He asked for wisdom. Out of everything else, he asked for the right thing. It even says that in James when it says you're going to fall into various temptations or trials. But then it goes down in the bottom verses and it says, ask for wisdom. Ask for wisdom for what? When you're going through this. Because God will show you how to get out of it. How many could say amen? But a lot of times we don't want to ask for wisdom. We want to ask God, take it away. And God says, I can't take it away because the wisdom you're going to get through here is going to benefit you in the long run. So he asked for the right thing, amen. He feels overwhelmed. He, he feels underqualified. He, he's totally dependent on the Lord. And he's saying, God, if you don't show up, I'm not going to be able to do what you called me to do. When's the last time we prayed like that? God, I need you in my life. But many times we get saved. And after a few months, after a few years, we start drifting. Because we know how to come to church and lift our hands. We know how to come to church and worship. We know how to to do ministry now. And and now all of a sudden, instead of asking God for wisdom, we're like, I I don't need God right now. I can do this on my own. That's called drifting. Look at your neighbor and ask him, are you drifting? Some of you are going to start singing that oldie, how drifting on a memory. (laughs) 
Because the reality, if you can do it on your own, you don't need God. Think about that. If you can do it on your own, you don't need God. I, I pray we live in such a way that we are so dependent on the wisdom of God. <clears throat> Solomon asked for wisdom, and God granted him wisdom. He didn't ask for riches. God, I just need wisdom. Tell me, God, give me a financial break. No, ask God for wisdom. That way you learn how to handle your money. That way you won't be living from check to check. Because if you ask God for wisdom, the first thing he's going to ask you is, are you tithing? See, some of you are getting mad. You're like, man, you were doing so well. Now I want to talk about tithing. That's part of God's principles for our life, that when we're faithful in the little, when we tithe from God our 10%, that he blesses our 90%. That's wisdom. He didn't ask for fame. Oh, I can preach better than him. Maybe you can. But you don't have wisdom. That's why God hasn't opened doors for you. He didn't ask for the lives of his enemies because we all got enemies, right? Some of your enemies might be sitting behind you. No, I'm just joking. Amen. <laughs> Take them out. No, ask God for wisdom. That way you know how to deal with them and love your enemies, the Bible says. That's wisdom. And it says that God gave him everything he asked for. And he also gave him what he didn't ask. How many know that's what wisdom does? When, when we function in the wisdom of God, we're able to walk. And the Bible says favor follows us. You don't have to go looking for favor. Favor will follow you. Doors will open for you. God will provide everything that we need. Why? Because we're walking in his wisdom. See, one of the smartest men in history of the world was blessed by God. And, and, and if you read commentaries, they said people will travel from foreign, distant lands far away to come and hear his wisdom. Just to come and sit in the court temples to hear Solomon speak. I mean, no, that, that's wisdom from God where, where you're able to speak and, and, and people are understanding because God has given you wisdom. This is an amazing picture of where Solomon is at in his leadership. Now let's fast forward to 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1 through 4. It says, Now King Solomon loved many foreign women. Besides Pharaoh's daughter, he married women of Moab, Ammon, Edom, Sidon, and from among the Hittites. Verse 2, The Lord had clearly instructed the people of Israel, You must not marry them because they will turn your hearts to their gods. Yet Solomon insisted, that word insisted means demanded something forcefully, on loving them anyways. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. And then it says, and in fact, they did turn his heart, his heart away from the Lord, verse 4. In Solomon's old age, they turned his heart to worship other gods instead of being completely faithful to the Lord his God and his father, as his father David had been. So here we see two different stories on how Solomon started. He was great. God, I need your wisdom. God, I can't do this on my own. And then how he ended his life. Two different stories, the same person. And the picture that is painted here in just a matter of eight chapters, from chapter 3 to, to chapter 11. He had an incredible start, but a tragic finish. He started off thinking about others, but by the end of his life, all he did was think about himself. I mean, we can come in like that at church. We get saved. It's about others. God, whatever you need me to do. Hey, I need you to clean the church. I'm there. Then after you're saved, you're like, they call you. I need you. No, I, I'm busy. You're not busy. 
You just, you, you changed. And so my question is, how does this happen? Solomon didn't wake up one morning and say, I just want to ruin my life. We don't wake up like that. Oh, I'm just going to make wrong decisions because I don't care. We don't, that's not what we want to do. He didn't, he didn't wake up one morning and say, I want to trash my relationships with the Lord. He, he didn't say, I just want to hurt everybody that loves me. Solomon didn't do that, amen? And, and, and so when we look, how many know that that was never in Solomon's mind? He started off in an amazing way, but he struggled to cross the finish line of his faith. Have you ever wondered how you ended up in a circumstance that you're in? Maybe in the past something, and, and then how did I let things get so bad? How many know it starts first, you dabble in something, and then... You wait for judgment, and judgment doesn't happen because his grace and his mercy. And then we do it again, and we do it again. And then what happens is your heart gets calloused. What I mean by callous is now the Holy Spirit, when it brings conviction, it doesn't affect you no more. And that's what happened uh, to Solomon. Maybe it's an addiction. You never saw yourself as an addict, but one thing led to another. Now you're in bondage to something, but you hate it. You hate what it's doing to your life. You hate how it makes other people feel that love you, but now you're a slave to it. And now you think about how did I end up here? Maybe it's a loneliness. Maybe it's in a marriage where you feel distance from each other. It's like, man, we're not close anymore. Maybe uh, you're at a place in your life that you're frustrated. I call it drifting. Drifting. Drifting means to be carried along by currents of water or air or by the force of circumstances. How many have ever been to the beach and, and, and you're in the water and you drifted? You put your stuff, it's there, you can see it, then you got in the water, you're standing, and then all of a sudden the current pushes you farther and farther away. The next thing you look, you, hey, where did all my stuff go? You thought somebody stole it, but it didn't. You drift it. How <laughs> I many know it's easy to drift? Putting on makeup in your car, and then you start hitting the do 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 do. Drifting, right? Some of the men are laughing. I don't know why. You don't put makeup on a hope, amen? Maybe you're looking on your phone while you're driving and you end up somewhere else. Let me give you an example. Let me give you some free 99. From LAX to, to Australia is one of the longest flights. If the pilot were to set the coordinates one degree off, he'll end up in China. One degree. 17 hours at one degree off will put him way off of course. And this is where we see Solomon. He started on point with the presence of God saying, Lord, I need you. God, I can't do anything without you. Lord, I feel like a child. And if you don't give me wisdom, I'm not going to be able to do this. This is where he started. But where he ended was, I don't want to do it. I want to do it my way. How many of us started off good? God, whatever you want me to do. But now you're in a place, I want to do it my way. Your leaders correct you and you get mad. No, I want to do it my way. There's instructions when you're in our programs, but no, I'm going to do it my way. You know how you can tell you're doing it your way? Because all you do is complain. You complain about everything around you, complain about leadership. You can, why? You're, what you're saying is I'm doing it my way. I don't like the way they're doing it. When they tell you, no, don't, you know, cut that relation off. Oh, but you don't understand. She loves me. He loves me. 
I know what I'm doing. I got this. Right? I'm going to bring them to the Lord, are you? If you're already doing things that's not right, what makes you think you're going to bring them to the Lord? So for him to be the smartest guy in the whole world, marrying a thousand women, how many know that was a very dumb idea? I mean, no, we have it rough with one, right, to, to understand and learn and to love, right? He had a thousand. How many are struggling with the one you have right now? Don't raise your hand. I'm just joking. Amen. <laughs> your wife just looked at you like, man, you better not put that hand up, boy, you know? <laughs> Listen, unless your wife's not here, you're happy. You're like, yeah, that's me, you know? It's like, Listen to what Solomon wrote in Proverbs 19.3. He says, people ruin their lives by their own foolishness, and then they are angry at the Lord. Let me say that again. Proverbs 19.3, NLT. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness, and then are angry at the Lord. This is when Solomon was right. He said, people make wrong choices, then they get mad at God. Why am I in this circumstance, God? It's your fault. And God says, no, you're the one that made the choice. But Proverbs says people ruin their lives by their own foolishness. That means making dumb choices. That means making choices on impulse. I mean, no, when you make choices on impulse, most likely it's the wrong, the wrong thing to do. Let me give you an example. Somebody cuts you off on the freeway. Impulse is what? Give them the bird. Right? That's impulse. But when you're disciplined, the Bible's going to say bite your tongue. Right? Well, impulse is when you, you see somebody or, 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 or you go to a liquor store and your thing was drinking and you see that beer right there. It's like, oh, man, just one's not going to hurt. I'll get a duels because I just want the flavor. <laughs> see, Solomon wrote this. God gets blamed for a lot of things that he has never done. How did you get here? Ask yourself that question. A lot of people drift during uh, the virus. How many know the virus came, put everybody on comfort? Like we stopped doing a lot of things because we were on lockdown. So a lot of people got away. We drift through neglect. I mean, drifting comes through neglect, a disregard of duty resulting from carelessness. Oh, I ain't got to pray no more in the morning. I know scripture now. We know the Bible says in James, the devil knows the word of God and trembles. You know, so it's not just knowing scripture, it's, it's living it. See, this is the starting point of drifting. You neglect it. Today is not about guilt or trying to make you feel bad, but I'm trying to, to explain something to us that, that drifting can come to everybody. And sometimes we don't even recognize it. It's not to come and say you're a bad person if you're drifting. No, it's to make you, allow you to make a U-turn and say, I got to get back to where God wants me to be because I've been drifting and I didn't realize it. And we can learn from Solomon's life here. Because Solomon, he, man, he, he shows us a lot. It's not about how, many, how much scripture you know. It's not about how much love you have for God. It doesn't matter how long you've been coming to church. You can drift. And sometimes we don't even realize we're drifting. I remember followed directions on your iPhone and it was the wrong directions. And you didn't realize it until you were like three hours away. You know, simple mistake. 
a simple mistake. All of us have a tendency. It's, it's human nature to drift, and the starting point is neglect. You don't see, you, you see nobody intentionally steps away from God. You know, I'm going to do this, and that's it. I'm, I'm done with God. No, it's, it's, it's by drifting, little by little. We get farther and farther away from God. Before, we used to read our word every day. Now, we only read it once a day instead of three times a day. Now, from once a day, it goes to once a week. Now, from once a week, it goes, the only time I read the word is when I go Go to church. How many know that's drifting? Again, quiet in this holy place, huh? So, how does that happen? Three words: busyness. We get so busy, we leave God out of the picture. Especially in the holidays like this, we can get so caught up in buying gifts buying presents, that we use all our money that God has assigned for us to be the seed to tithe to our church, that now we're not tithing because we're buying gifts. Busyness. See, what the devil can't stop, he accelerates. He can't stop you from serving the Lord, so he's going to accelerate. He's going to get you to be so busy, you ain't got no more time for God. You just get busy doing things and making sacrifice uh, to have a good life. And, and sometimes we have so much going on, it takes us to our next point where we get easily distracted. People that drift, they get distracted. Distracted means unable to concentrate because one's mind is preoccupied. You're distracted because you're preoccupied. If that one person wasn't in leadership, I'd be hired. No, it's not, it's not true. The Bible says God opens the door and he shuts the door that no man can open. Busyness leads to distraction. We live in a culture that is constantly bombarding us with things. Social media. Some people, man, you, you're more on your phone than you are. Spend more time on your phone than you do with the Lord. You wake up on your phone. You go to sleep on your phone. You fall asleep with your phone. And that's ruining marriages. You got a relationship with your phone instead of your spouse, and you wonder why you're drifting apart. Boy, that, that would hit home. I got real quiet. <laughs> what about laziness? The quality of being unwilling to, unwilling to work or use energy. You drift when, you don't, when you're lazy. Now, I don't want to get up to pray. I don't want to discipline my time to read the word. I don't want to love everybody. I just want to love the people that like me. I mean, no, that's laziness. Because the fruit of the Spirit is love. But a lot of times we're just lazy, lazy in our spirit. We get lazy. Uh, the first thing to go when we're, we have a lazy spirit is our prayer life. We know how to function in church. We come and we worship, amen. We, we come and we lift our hands. We know the songs, amen. We say amen when the preacher preaches, but we have no prayer life. Why? Because we drifted. What about Bible reading? You don't even read. All you do is read the same chapter, the same verse, and that's it. Instead of reading the whole word of God. That way we get balance. What about church attendance? Now you don't want to go, oh, I don't, oh no, my team's playing. I'm going to stay home today. You know, I'll watch it from the live stream. Those watching on our live stream, we th we're thankful you're watching. Amen. That's not what we mean you, for you not to watch us. Watch us. But I'm talking, if you can make it here, 
You should be here. How many could say amen? You no longer tithe. You no longer go to Bible study. You don't want to fellowship no more. As soon as church is over, you leave. Why? Because you're drifting. No intimacy with the Lord anymore. It's just hit and miss. How many know nothing ever improves with neglect? If you're always neglecting, you're never going to become the man or the woman of God that God wants you to be. We want breakthroughs, but we neglect what we must do to get the breakthrough. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, out of the Message Bible, it says, With all this going on for us, my dear, dear friends, stand your ground and don't hold back. Throw yourselves into the work of the Master, confident that nothing you do for Him is a waste of time and effort. How many know if you neglect the maintenance on your car, it'll break down on you? Right? You get a flat tire, then you say, You lying devil. There was metal sticking out of your tires. The devil had nothing to do with it. You just didn't buy new tires. Your light came on, check engine, and you just covered it with the picture. Amen. Then when your car broke down, I don't know what happened. You were neglecting all the signs that were there. And how many know the signs come in our life and our spiritual life when we neglect him? The Holy Spirit will say, hey, you need to get up and pray. The Holy Spirit will say, hey, you need to read. The Holy Spirit will tell you, you need to connect with me. But all the signs are there. But when we neglect them, we'll find ourselves in a place that we're not supposed to do. Now, when we neglect, it takes us to our second thing. It's a word called access, A-C-C-E-S-S. This is what happens when we slow down in our passionate pursuit of the Lord. We give the enemy access. When we neglect the things of God, now the enemy has access. We open up the door for the enemy. See, the enemy is looking for a door you leave slightly open. It ain't got to be open all the ways. The door just has to be unlocked, amen, because we neglect, and now the enemy has access. We neglect the presence of God in our pursuit of him. We give the enemy access. I mean, no, we need to shut the door. Amen, that you might have left a little open. Ephesians 4.27, the Amplified Bible says, Leave no such room or foothold for the devil. Give, him no op- give no opportunity to him. So how do we stop giving him opportunities? We stop neglecting the things of God. We go wholeheartedly and pursue them. God, I need to keep praying with you. I need that relationship with you. Because when I don't have that relationship with you, I get in the flesh. I mean, no, it's easy to get in the flesh. We got to train our spiritual life, amen. We got to stand on his word. We got to stand on the promises. But that takes discipline. That's why Paul says, I discipline my body, amen. I, I beat it into subjection so my body won't tell me what to do. What's he saying? When you're disciplined, the Holy Spirit takes over. When you're not disciplined, the flesh, I mean, discipline keeps our flesh down. Amen. So whoever you feed more is going to be stronger. That's how a foothold becomes a stronghold. It's a little thing, and then it becomes a big thing. We give them access. Now, the third thing here is we tolerate. Once we give the enemy access, then then we tolerate. What, What that means is we allow or accept. 
We allow or accept. One small compromise leads to another compromise, and we just live with it that way. We tolerate it now. Well, I'm not that bad, and then we look at somebody that's worse than us. See, I'm doing better. I'm not like that no more. I, uh, I'm not as bad as I used to be. And, but how many know God didn't die uh, uh, to give us partial victory? Jesus Christ rose again to give us what? Total victory. So we got to stop using that as an excuse, amen. Oh, well, I'm better than I should be, but are you where God wants you to be? Because he's given us everything we need to get there, to be there. But sometimes we tolerate those little things in our lives that lead us to compromise, amen, and and we just settle for that. Let me just live like that. I was like this. My dad was like that. His dad was like that. So break the curse, Break the curse. That way, your children and your grandchildren won't be fighting, amen, the demons, amen, that you were fighting because you broke the curse. We say, well, at least I'm doing a little better. Amen. He don't want us to settle for our current situation. He died to give us much, much more. There's more for you. There's more for me, amen. But too many of us tolerate the enemy in your life. Yeah, I still get mad, but it's okay. I ask God to forgive me. Well, if, if he forgave you and you're doing the same thing again, then it's not true repentance. Because true repentance means you turn away from it completely. You know, and, and so sometimes we, we, we tolerate things in our life. Well, my marriage is always going to be that way. No, it's not. Yeah, you're going to have seasons where it struggles. You're going to have seasons, you know, where, where you, you take the trash out. You don't feel like coming back in. You, <laughs> I, can I be real? I mean, January, me and my wife would be married 42 years. And, and, and we had seasons like that. But we don't tolerate it. No, what do we have to do to make it better? That means I have to change. See, in the, and in marriage, that's where the problem is because... The spouse don't think they have to change. They think their spouse has to change. As long as we're changing, God is going to take care of your spouse. That's some good free 99 stuff right now. What about your children? Oh, they're always going to. No, they're not. Keep praying for them, amen. Uh, Keep doing warfare for them, amen. Keep standing in the gap and believing God and speak life into the circumstance instead of always speaking death. What about being committed to God? Well, I give them 99%. How many know 99% commitment is still 100% disobedience? Remember that. 99% commitment is still 100% disobedience. God will not tolerate anything else. Why? Because Jesus gave us everything. God gave us his best. Amen. Christ didn't die for partial commitment. He wants our full devotion. We will never change what we continue to tolerate. We won't change what we continue to tolerate. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, but thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. How many can thank God, amen, this morning that we're no longer in bondage, amen, that we're no longer in sin. Why? Because God gave us victory, amen, over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
That means he's given us dominion. That means he's given us power. You may be here and say, but right now my circumstance ain't like that. You don't understand what I'm going to know. He understands. And you may be in the valley, but that's okay because God is still with you in the valley. Amen. And God is still saying, son, daughter, I got your back. Continue to walk forward because we're going to get on the mountaintop as long as you keep trusting me. Let me ask you a question. Whatever in your life. Have you settled for? And you said, that's just the way it's going to be. That's just the way it's going to be. I'm never going to be that man that God, why not? I'm never going to be that woman that God wanted. Why not? Those single people, I'm never going to get married. Why not? Now, don't go start looking around. Oh, there he is. Thank you. I, could, I received. That's not what I'm saying. People want to get it right. Well, okay, no, no. Just do what God's called you to do. And while you're doing ministry, God will bring the person that he has perfectly for you. But God's not going to give you somebody yet if you still got issues in your life. Because he's not going to put people with baggage and people with baggage. That way they get together and destroy each other. He wants to bring healing in your life. Then when he brings healing in your life, he's going to put you with somebody else. They healed. And now you're going to be a power couple. Why? Because you let God do what he wanted to do in your life. Too many times we just want to make excuses. It's not that bad. Right? I'm not that bad. God, I'm still serving you. I'm still tithing, God. But yeah, you drifted. Before, you wouldn't leave your house without prayer. I can't leave the house. I need to get a hold of God. Before you would wake up early because the Holy Spirit was saying, I need you to wake up because he's pressing something in your hearts. Before you would pray a few hours at night before you go to bed. Because how many times has the Holy Spirit told you, get up and pray? And you ignore it. So you toss and turn for about two, three hours. If you would have just got up and prayed for a half hour, an hour, you would have had the best sleep you would have ever had. But because we tolerate things, then we function like that. We make excuses. Don't underestimate the power of your flesh. Because sometimes we try to justify it by carrying our, uh, comparing ourselves to other people. Comparison is a dangerous thing because you can always find somebody that is worse than you. Oh, I'm not that bad. God, God's not looking at all of us and judge us the same. Every one of us is different. Every one of us, we have a daily thing to give our best every single day. But when we don't do that, then all of a sudden, what happens? All of a sudden, we, we, we start functioning like that. Now we don't, we don't have God first. And number five, you become completely entangled. What happens is when you do all these things, now you're entangled. We think we're in control, but we're really at the mercy of something that we have invited into our life. I mean, how many know this is how bondage works? Oh, I'm not that bad. No, because you've already satisfied your flesh three weeks ago. Now you think you're walking in victory, but no, wait another two weeks. When the flesh comes up again, you're going to satisfy it again. In Galatians, it talks about the appetites, and it talks about the, the flesh once it's satisfied. Too many people are just satisfying the flesh, and you want to say, I'm walking in victory. Then why do you keep going back to satisfy your flesh? See, I'm sure... If we were to ask Solomon, who started in fire in 1 Kings chapter 3, how he envisioned his life turning out, it would be nothing like we, we read in 1 Kings chapter 11. So much as Solomon allowed in his life, 
and to turn his heart away from God. I mean, no, drifting is real. It's real. Hebrews 6, 19, and I'm going to close with this, says we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. And that's in Christ Jesus. See, this word today is not to make us feel condemned or guilty. It's to bring an awareness that every one of us, including myself, can drift without even realizing it. Especially getting into the holidays with the Christmas spirit. Let's not forget why Christ came and was born for you and for me. If you find yourself drifting away, maybe from your purpose. And when you first got saved, you were fired up for your purpose. God, you chose me when nobody else wanted me. You chose me and you said, man, everything that is mine is now yours. But not only that, you, you said I'm called. When nobody else wanted to trust me, you said I got a special calling on my life. Maybe you find yourself drifting away from the presence of God. Man, I remember when I used to get in there. How can you tell if you're drifting away from God? If you got to go to that favorite song and play it just to be broken again. You're drifting. Because when we're in the presence of God, we don't need a song. All we need is ourselves there and, and with the presence of God and, and saying, God, here I am, God. I, I, I'm struggling right now, God, but I'm still coming to you. I need more strength, God. I need more wisdom, God. I need more of your presence, God. If you don't like where you're at this morning, as everyone stands, there is a way back. There's a way back. Before, when you wouldn't do anything wrong, because it's like, man, God, but now you're getting good at what you do, and we're leaving God out of the picture. And he's saying, son, daughter, we're, we're in the end times. We, we need men and women and young people that are filled with the anointing of God because they spent time with him. Because the Bible says it's the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. Not what we know. You can know nothing. But be anointed, man, and when you pray for people, all of a sudden healing, all of a sudden bondages are broken. Why? Because you were in his presence. And this morning, I want to encourage us. We need that relationship with him. Yeah, you look good now, but how is your spirit? How is your insight? Maybe you drifted this morning. Maybe you don't know the Lord. And if you're here and you say, I don't know the Lord, I want to give you an opportunity this morning. Maybe you don't know the Lord and you say, you know what, I just want to accept him this morning. If that's you, and if you're here, just the lifting up of your hand. We, we, we don't want to leave this part. I see that hand. Anyone else? I see that hand. I want you to repeat this prayer. And even those that are watching on our live stream, if that's you, click the button there. We want to continue to pray for you. But those that lifted up your hand, repeat this prayer after me. Say, dear Jesus, come into my heart. Cleanse me. Wash me white as snow. Say, God, from this day forward, I live my life for you. Thank you for dying and rising up again. 
to give me breakthrough, to give me power, to give me strength. I love you and I need your help. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Give them a hand, those that.